Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Line of Vienna Street podcast. My name is Tom Jenkins. This is episode 160, and I'm joined by James Jarvis, Chris Manning, and back for only his second appearance on the show is a good friend of mine and the site, Simon Phillips. The last time Simon was on, I believe he was discussing not only a 4-0 thrashing away at Derby County, but also Bolton's impending relegation to League One. Thankfully, tonight the topics are much more positive. Um, since our last show, we've had four matches and taken 10 points from them. We beat Oldham Athletic 2-0, drew 1-0 at Bradford City, beat Cambridge United 2-1 and beat Port Vale 1-0. HMS Pistoli continues to sail onwards towards League One. Uh, Simon, as it's your long-awaited return, I'll begin with you. Uh, obviously, we don't speak to you all the time, but you've been watching the games, keeping up with the results, etc., etc. Sum up your feelings about Wanderers' recent superb form and how pleasing it is to, to actually look forward to match days again. Um... Well, just like you said, I'm looking forward to match days again. It feels absolutely fantastic. I mean, since um, I last saw any of you at a game, obviously, with the whole year that's gone by, you know, we've we've gone from appointing a new manager to starting the season terribly to just wondering, is this going to be another year of relegation to suddenly, you know, since the Tranmere game in January, it's just been, I don't know what's happened, you know, and the addition of a few new players, um, everybody looks more confident from top to bottom. Um, I feel like we're playing, it's almost like, it feels like we're, we're playing the type of football that Ian Everett wanted to play all along. And as I, I, I remember, especially early in the season, it felt like we went whole home games without even having a shot. And now it feels like, you know, we're unlucky if we only get a few goals in a game. So, yeah, it feels pretty good. Do you think, I know you said it's difficult to find a specific thing to put it down to, this ridiculous turnaround in form, but do you, do you think it's more to do with the fact that players are, finally adopting the style that he wanted to impart um, right at the start of the season? Or do you think it's just having better players at his disposal? Um, I think it's probably a little bit of both. I feel like a new style of play, it'll always take a little bit of adapting to, especially I feel like if you've got, if you're trying to put in a, a fairly attacking style of play with the ball, and you're trying to put that into the heads of, obviously, no disrespect, the kind of League Two footballers, I mean, having, having, Growing up near Carlisle, like you said, I've watched League Two, League One football all my life, and it can be very, you know, well, not very pretty. So, maybe, yeah, maybe it has taken time to adapt, but I think the new personnel has certainly helped. I mean, there was a lot of new signings over the summer. I'm not sure, you know, if there was pressure to get a certain number of players in. You know, there probably was, but it feels like there was a lot of players came in very fast, and a lot of them were sort of chopped and changed in and out of the team, and that probably didn't help. And I feel like we've got, you know, a better squad of players now, and you know the lineup for the last few games has certainly seemed more settled to me. And I think it's all. Um, I think I think qual- different quality of players in different positions has had an effect. For example, Owen Doyle looks to be playing a lot better now and scoring more goals because he's playing more centrally because we have better wide players. Earlier in the season, it seemed like he was always having to drift out and cross the ball, only for nobody to be in there because it should have been him in there. Yeah, he had to come deep all the time, didn't he? And it, it was frustrating to not see your main striker um, constantly in the box on the end of chances. Um, Chris, I know that you've, you've had a couple of uh, critical tweets and a critical comments towards Doyle. And especially in the Bradford game, there was a chance at nil-nil that he really just should have scored. You know, it's the, it's the exact kind of thing that we brought him in for. But has, has he convinced you that he's, he's capable of being the starting striker in this team to get us to where we want to be? Oh, I think in this, t- in this team, league, yeah, hundred percent. I think might it might be being overcritical at times, but that's mainly expecting too much, probably rather than anything that Doyle's necessarily done wrong. Because everyone, everyone misses chances. It's just one of one of those things. And over the years, we've had chat that's forwards 
that have missed more than they've converted. So maybe it's just me reverting to, to type a little bit in terms of not being able to, to appreciate what Doyle does. So Doyle gets a, a complete pass because he's won us more games than a lot of his predecessors ever did. So I don't think we can criticise him too much there. I think the only slight retraction on that, and I was, I was saying the same thing on, on text to, to Lee over the weekend, was that I, I'm already thinking about next season in League One, to be perfectly honest. And I think I, we had a bit of a chat backwards and forwards about whether Doyle would be that man. I mean, he's 33 already. He's, he's decent at this level. I would, don't think there's any argument about that. Whether he would be as good or, or any better next season in the I division, I would have my doubts. But that's probably a nice reflection on where we are that I'm already starting to, to project our, our glorious away win at Sunderland next year, 1-0, where he scores a scab one at 95th minute after Sean Miller comes on. So th- th- there's all kinds of things with Doyle that, that I, I go up and down on. But I think for now, I don't think we could ask for any more. And I think his contribution has been, uh, been telling in the overall picture. Yeah, we, we talk about it as if it's a foregone conclusion based on the way that we're playing that we're going to be in League One next season. And it terrifies me, that prospect, because I've started doing it as well. I mean, I tell you what, I'll, I'll let you in on a little secret. When I was writing the the intro and the, the sort of the plan for this podcast, um, I did it on Thursday before we'd even played Port Vale and said that we were going to beat Port Vale. And of course, <laughs> that, that, that that transpired that we did do that. But it's it's a dangerous way of thinking, I think, as a Bolton fan, that it's a foregone conclusion we're going to get there. Do, do you think we're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit? Well, what sport without hope? You know, we've had six or seven years of absolute tripe with absolutely no positives in there. I mean, the only positives we've had at all over the last couple of years has been the world's flukiest relegation survival that we barely deserved. Celebrating beating Nottingham Forest. It was good. It was fun. Don't get me wrong. I I enjoyed that day. But, you know, on reflection, it was uh, was a a low high point, if that makes any sort of sense. Uh, Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm... making no bones about going with the flow at the minute. It's uh, it, it's a nice nice change from what we've become sadly used to over the course of the last few years. And I've got full confidence that with a bit of rest, with the, the, the cessation of these midweek games that we've got coming up, it'll stand as an even better stead and we'll be even better positioned going forward. Yeah, James, coming on to that point that Chris makes there about the fact that we've sort of done our time, as it were, with these midweek games, whereas a lot of our rivals are playing catch-up. Obviously, they will see that playing catch-up as a possibility to to take advantage of the fact that we started our good runs so late. But do you think in the long run it's going to be much more beneficial to us having weekly gaps between matches? Uh, I mean, you'd hope so. It, it would give ever a lot of time to maybe start to knuckle down on some of the more notably more notably weaker parts of our game, such as um, our set pieces and, um, well, actually just mainly our set pieces and our final ball. I think finishing as well. I think I think we need to start taking our chances more. I think that I think that more comes from just having League Two quality players, really. But you can. But if there's anything you can work on, it's your it's your delivering your final ball. So, yeah, agreed. Yeah. So so and like you say, it gives other cha- other players a chance to rest and recuperate. I'm I'm very surprised how we've managed to come through that entire period relatively unscathed. It's it's frankly miraculous. It feels very anti Bolton, but I'm I'm all for it. And yeah, uh, I'm I'm just looking forward now to the season with not even really hope, expectation. I expect us to be in those automatic points. Yeah, you can look at the teams around us and say they've got more games in hand, uh, but they still have to do the business at the end of the day. And right now, we are the most consistent team in this division, and I'm. St- and I'm struggling to see how 
that stops anytime soon. We could honestly touch wood, go this in, go the rest of this season unbeaten. I, I, it's, an ama- it's an amazing position to be in, isn't it? Given where we were, I mean, n- nobody would have predicted that. As, as Simon said earlier, after that Tranmere defeat, where, where I called for for Ian Evers' head, and obviously I've, I've done my, I've given my apology publicly about that. You should never apologise. Never apologise publicly. See, Huge mistake. See, this was the thing. This was the thing. I knew we were going to discuss this at some point, Chris, about me, me, me writing that piece. It actually actually won us a few. A few uh, a few faves apart from Mark Ars, who absolutely loved sticking his oar and, and um, beating me while I was down with, with his comment on that. But you know, I let him off. Um, but the, sorry, the other follow-up question I was going to have uh, for you, James, was we actually play quite a lot of the teams that are around us um, in this little final final run. So while they're playing catch-up, they are having to to play us. I think we've still got Forest Green, Newport, Morecambe, Exeter, uh, Salford, Crawley, etc. Our fate is in our own hands, really, isn't it? Oh, exactly. And uh, I've seen how we've um, played against uh, some of these teams around us. I mean, for God's sake, if, if it wasn't for that ridiculous red card, we, we'd have absolutely buried Morecambe. Um, we, we, sh- we, did, we played extremely well against Cambridge, really should have been more. But, you know, it, it is what it is. So I've no, fear, I've no fear going into these battles against our, our remaining teams, the, the, the Forest Greens, the... Uh, I'm trying to think, think who else we've played. It's like Newport, Exeter and Salford are the ones I think that are the main challenges that we've got left. Mm, yeah. And like I said, none of those teams have ever really been consistent. Yeah, they've had a stronger head start against us. So if they do get a couple wins and manage to go above us temporarily, then it would suck. But at the same time, I, I'd have a lot more faith in us to eventually pass them because I believe more in them slipping up than us slipping up. We, so... Yeah, I, I just really hope that <laughs> I've been wrong too many times before, so I, I really don't want to be wrong on this one. No, I tell you what, it's exactly it, it reeks of the um, 2012-2013 season, doesn't it? Where come January we didn't have a, a prayer of getting into those playoff spots, and then suddenly we we gave ourselves an opportunity and managed to blow it spectacularly. And I'm just absolutely hoping that we don't do. Uh, the same thing again. I've still got nightmares about have, Danny Butterfield yeah, and Leicester more, and everything. I have a lot more faith in Ian Everett than I do in Dougie Friedman. <laughs> I think we all do. I think we all do. Um, and as you mentioned there, James, you know the Morecambe game, barring a red card, that would have been a win. I've no doubt about that. The Bradford game should have been a win. I've never seen a more undeserved last-minute equaliser in in my entire time supporting this club. But but Simon, but back back to you. As I say, this could quite comfortably be eleven wins in a row. Which, which is incredible to think. Who, who, for you personally, have been your standout performers over this run? Oh, um, I, it seems like every time I watch a game, it seems MJ Williams is is very dominant in midfield. He, he seems to me somebody who is winning the ball back and passing it. Usually, we seem to have one player doing one and another player doing the other. He, maybe I'm seeing things, but it, it looks to me like he's been a pretty good addition. Um, Declan John's been another. Um, very positive. Um, obviously, the speed at which players sometimes get signed at this level, I, I wasn't sure what position he even was when we signed him. And I saw him score that fantastic goal. I forget which game it was in. And and and, and it was only when I sort of looked at the team sheet that I realised he was a full, he was a he was a fullback. And I was thinking, what's going on here? You know, um, Alpha Lyons, another one. Uh, is he is he on loan from West Ham? I believe. And he's very, yeah, he is, yeah. Yeah, he, he's he kind of he has that aura about him where you know if you have a, a sort of he could have a similar quality of, of a thirty-year-old journeyman maybe on paper, but they maybe have the, the mindset of oh here we go again another club. Whereas 
he seemed that you know players like him have that young attitude of where they're going to come in and right, I have something to prove. I am going to shoot. I'm not going to pass backwards. That type of thing. Um, the additions of those sort of players to me has, has made a difference. Yeah. Yeah, you got to feel for for Afalion or Offalion, as the uh, Port Vale commentator would have us believe. Uh, or what, what was it, James? Was it uh, uh, Offalion for Newha? Was the what, what I don't he know. said I was the was? Oh, I don't know. I was listening to Derek Clark. Oh, good, you lucky bastard! Honestly, <laughs> the people that they've got in charge of Port Vale just absolutely tin pot. Um, but no, sorry, Simon. Mean, you, you mentioned Afalion. The poor lad can't buy a goal at the moment, and you've got to feel sorry for him because it, it looks as though nothing's going to go in. And despite the fact that he's being probably our best attacker, couldn't score in a brothel at the moment, could he? No, um, unfortunately for him, like you say. But going back to what I said about about the youth and the positivity, he's the kind of player that I think it will break for eventually. I mean, at the start of this, I mean, we had this with Doyle at the start of the season. He'd been signed, you know, for a bit of money, and it was like, oh, he's League Two's top scorer last season I think and and I'd, and I'd watched his highlights real like probably everybody had and thought right it's just going to start going in and he had a period of difficulty you know and and once it started um you know it, it's continued and hopefully that that'll be the same with Athelion yeah let's hope so he needs one to just basically uh, bounce in off his thigh or something like that just just a very fortunate one to no matter how to they come Absolutely, just just get into his stride. Um, Chris, Simon mentioned some of his stand-up performers there. One, one person that he, he didn't mention, who I think it's sort of come from a surprise considering we, we really enjoy watching both Keith, Peter Kioso and uh, Harry Brockbank at right back, and that's Gethin Jones. Got, got us the winner at the weekend, only scores against Port Vale. But um, he's really making that position his own at the moment, isn't he? Absolutely, yeah. I, um, I, I, I had a bit of a chat about him again. Same sort of thing, we're just, just really looking at what he was doing well and what maybe not so much. And, and I did think that for all his energy and all his athleticism over the last few weeks, I thought his end product was, was crap. Um, but he's he's turned the corner hugely on that as well, I think, uh, on the weekend and the game before. His final ball was a lot better. Um, and, and his ability to find our men in, in attacking situations had improved massively too. So he's been great. And I feel a little bit sorry for, for Brock because I don't think he's particularly done anything wrong. <clears throat> but at the moment, there's no competition in that that spot. It's it's Jones's to lose. Yeah, it's it's incredible to think, considering the chopping and changing that's gone on this season, that we do have a settled back four now and a back four that you really cannot see changing. Especially as we said before, with the without the midweek games, you've got a lot of recovery time. So the likes of Baptiste, who are a bit older, can can still recover. I mean, that no no one gets into that back four right about now, do they? Absolutely not. No, it's it's, it's unchangeable at this minute in time. They're untouchable. Uh, they're all deserving it as well. I know B- Baptiste came with with baggage, and people were, I mean, included were, were were questioning whether it was it was the right move given how his last spell ended. But as an example, when when the David Weeder story broke in the week about him being available again, I just can't imagine him in this team playing the way that we play at the minute, being an upgrade on Baptiste or Santos, no. despite his, his 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 many many faults. He's an experienced defender. But he's not quick enough, he's not clever enough, and he's not good enough on the ball to play this sort of thing. And that's only to the credit of Santos and and Baptiste. And just to heart back to something that, that Sam said at the start of the podcast, I, I, there was a stat on, the, I think it was this weekend, but it might have been the one before, where they said about how only three members of that team had started the, the start of the season, such has been the overhaul in the squad. And I think that to to do so was was important because no they weren't getting Everett's style and they weren't good enough to perhaps get Everett's style. But the defence has been that which has been least affected of all, I think, and, and has been the most stable, which tells its own story. A lot of it is is to do with the goalkeeper as well. I think he's, it's 
it annoys the piss out of me listening to him shouting all all through the match. So I, I can't wait can't for wait fans to get back cra- in. Can't wait for the crowds to come back to stop listening to him barking all the time. But <laughs> it's obviously it obviously they need it and it works. And we've seen now how Santos has come on, how Jones has come on, and and John and Baptiste too. So yeah, long may it continue, but those back that back four is completely untouchable. Yeah, I would completely agree. We'll come on to to jokes in a moment because I think I think there is a discussion to be had about well, there's a discussion to be had about a lot of people whose places are possibly under threat despite of how well we're playing. There's always the odd nitpicking that we have to do because we are Bolton fans. But just to continue on on the positive on the positive train for a little bit, um, Simon mentioned MJ Williams, James, and how, and how superb he's been after we, we basically uh, wrote him off after those first two games. He's had Kieran Lee alongside him consistently throughout that period. Um, the quality is just th- showing through, isn't he? He's far too good for this level. Yep, yep. Um, it, it's kind of surprising. I mean, un- I understand his injury record was probably off-putting for quite a few clubs, and I totally understand that, but he, he could easily slot into any League One midfield. Easily. Easily. So... For us to get him at League Two, same with Declan John, they're both clearly a level above, and it's it's only been to our benefit. Uh, like you say, having Kieran, having the experience of Kieran, Kieran Lee alongside MJ Williams has brought better out of his game as well. Williams gets Williams has a very confident partner alongside him, and he gets to be able to do what he does best, which is the dirty work, the battles in the air, the the tackles, the get the hell off the ball. It's mine now kind of moves we haven't had a midfield like that for a while have we no um, I can't think I can't think of a so, sort of example really that we've had for quite a while maybe, maybe Carl Henry possibly yeah but yeah. well well, Carl Henry's the same type of player but I'm talking about in terms of a partnership that really worked yeah that's true yeah that really clicked like that I mean obviously we had the we had the Prattley twins, but they're not the same type of players, <laughs> and it's not the same type of style. So, no. Yeah. Very Brexit, as they say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I'd, yeah. I, I'm. I'm just. I'm just buzzing that Kieran Lee. Kieran Lee has been able to. Been, been able to play most of the games. I was very worried that the old bottom curse would strike. We get a talented player. We barely see any of him. Similar. To, similar to Jan Kirkhoff. Similar to. Mike Davis, yeah, these players in, we barely see them. But nope, Kieran Lee has thankfully been the exception, and we've totally benefited from it. Yeah, and, and also the thing is, if if he had, you know, God forbid it happens, I really don't want him to get injured. But if it did, we then have the likes of Tut and George Thomason to to come in and fill that void. It's incredible the the options that we've managed to to get in such a short space of time in that January window. Yep, yep. Um, I'd I'd arguably say this January window has probably been the most successful we've had. Maybe maybe even this entire in this entire century so far, it's been that much of a game changer to our team. Yeah, you can't you can't argue with it. And as we said at the start, you know, obviously it helps with the players adopting the manager's style, but better players just make us a better team. Simple as that. Um, I, I mentioned jokes a little bit earlier, Simon, and um, he's had. A few rough moments. When, when we went to, to Carlisle, he, he made a mistake for that first goal. He threw one in the net against uh, Mansfield, threw one in the net against Cambridge. And yet, mm. you don't really feel as though you can drop him, can you, given the impact that he seems to have had over a, a calming influence over that defence? Where, where do you stand on Jilks? Um I think one of the key things is what you've just said, you know, the calming influence. I think something uh, something to do with 
like I've mentioned, players like Affaline, how, how the youth can sometimes be, you know, really useful. But in certain, you know, that's, you know, maybe when you're going forward, but in certain positions, especially at the back and especially with your goalkeeper, you know, players always talk about and pundits and everybody always talks about how much confidence it gives the rest of the team to have someone in the goal who they're confident is going to save things, confident it's going to come and catch. Like you said, he's had a couple of rough moments, but, um, you know, without being too harsh to, to Billy Crellin, I mean, he started the season and there was things that were going in that, that I kind of just thought, oh, maybe it's just that I haven't watched football all summer. Maybe, maybe it wasn't that poor of an effort or whatever. And then, you know, as soon as you change the goalkeeper and suddenly conceding less, you're thinking, hang on, you know, maybe there was things going in that really shouldn't have been. And, it, you know, I think that's the difference. I don't think he's, you know, spectacular. He's, he's getting on a bit, and, but he's, he does just the job he needs to do. And I think he, he fills me with confidence personally. So I imagine his, his defence feel the same. Has it surprised you, given that we brought in Lucas Jensen on loan from Burnley? And I've said this before on the podcast that I would have imagined that that deal happened on the, under the proviso that we were going to give him game time. And he's not even had a sniff, not even been on the bench. Has that surprised you at all? Um, maybe a little, yeah. Um, but like you know, like we like uh, like what Chris was saying about the back four being untouchable when you're in form. I almost think it's the same thing, maybe even more so with the goalkeeper. Once I, I understand what you're saying, I, I suppose the, the most surprising thing is the fact that you would, you know, that his parent club would have wanted him to have game time. But in terms of um, just sort of man for man team selection and not wanting to change things up too much when it's going well, it hasn't res- uh, hasn't surprised me in that respect. No, no, I think I think it would have been odd to possibly throw him in. I think, Chris, we've had this discussion quite a few times about how it would have been very unsettling for the back four and possibly the team overall to just throw Jensen in instead of Jilks. And obviously that there were some calls for it after the Mansfield game, after the Cambridge game, but to not even have him on the bench, to, which doesn't, which has obviously a lot of a myriad of difficulties. If, as we saw at the weekend, there's that scare that we thought Jilks was going to going to be taken off in that first half. It, we can't really understand why Everett seems to be cutting his nose off to spite his face on this, can we? No, but before we do that, I just want to just hop back to James's comment about winning the transfer window. I think that's very disrespectful to the January arrivals of Gregor Raziak and David Thompson back in the early 2000s. <laughs> who trans- Not forgetting trans- Tamir Cohen, Chris. Transformed the season at, at the time. to Tamir Cohen. <laughs> No, no like not at all. Not I at like all. Um, <clears throat> I don't know how I feel about the sub goalkeeper situation. I think it's quite exciting. <laughs> Maybe that's the like the, the masochist in me that, that that comes out. But I think it's quite sexy, quite exciting that we're going into the games and, and risking it like we are. But it only takes one time, doesn't it, for it to cock up, and then there's a huge problem. Jokes hurting himself and going down with two minutes to go. Not as much of a problem as it might have been on Saturday when he went down with two minutes gone. And I was sat here, like, oh shit, here we go. And, and you knew full well all the bloody Tom Jenkins with the I told you so tweets coming in two seconds later. But no, he, he got back up on his feet. I, the I phone think, was poised, put it that way. It I, I can imagine I can imagine you've got it copy, you've got it saved in your drafts just in case. But I, I can I can can't really understand why he's doing it, but I don't really have a have a great problem with it. I, I can only imagine that he's seen I don't even know what's his what's his name, Jensen, the goalkeeper in training and he don't fancy him. And and the whole point of him not playing Krellin, uh, playing jokes was because Krellin wasn't good enough. So if you're not gonna if you're gonna bring in somebody of a similar sort of age who you don't think is good enough, just don't play him. If you think that we, we stand a better stead having more squad options because we do have a big squad, more options in terms of changing the game by not having a goalkeeper on the bench. Then so far it's not caused us a problem. And if it carries on like this through the end of the season, then 
no worries. But it, all it takes is once. But yeah, I find it quite exciting. It adds a little element of uh, of suspense to each game. So after, so after years remember... of Phil Parkinson, you just want anything to, to excite you from a Exactly. I'm, I'm, I'm fed up of how things were, so let's try the new normal. Yeah. Um, <laughs> All for it. Yeah, uh, I'll I'll pause the question. Do you think it's um, he? Do you think he'll? Um, he's just saving Jensen possibly for next season because his contract does run out at the end of this season. Do you think he's just saving? You know, letting Jilks in for the moment, let him see out the season as experience, but then raise mm. Jensen to be ready for the start of next season to to fill in the void for Matt Jilks because I think I think that's I'm good. that's the way it's looking at the moment. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I hadn't thought about that. I, I would be surprised only on the basis of the problems that we've had with Krellin and Krellin being chucked straight in there for his first full season in league football and it's caused us no, no end of problems. If you're going to do that with Jensen, surely you give him a bit of experience so that he's not thrown in fully at the deep end. But I, I don't know, not, maybe not, you're right. I'm, I'm not saying that you wouldn't sign an experienced keeper as backup, but long term, yeah. Jensen seems like the much stronger choice. He's, he was re- he's better... Plus, he does have the advantage of uh, being in a better academy coming from than Krellin, and and obviously, uh, well, actually, it's just it's just mainly that. I've not seen any reason yeah, to do this shit help. yet. It it could well be. I've I've never never seen Jensen play. Don't know anything about him. I did read that piece a couple of weeks ago, or might even be longer than that, when Everett was was singing his praises about his his physicality, his height, and his ability. So yeah, you know what? Why not? I think. And, element of forward planning, given our decent position, isn't the worst thing in the world. But at the same time, I think I would just dial back a bit and say I wouldn't want a completely untested kid to be our first-choice goalkeeper next season as we storm League One. I'm not sure about that yet. Simon, where do you stand on this? Obviously, obviously it, um, it depends on what uh, pond we're fishing in, really, because obviously this next summer is the first one in a while since we were able to actually pay fees for people. So would you much sooner someone with a bit of experience that to go into League One season, if indeed we are there? Yeah. Oh, God, I'd, I'd forgotten we were going to be able to pay money for people. That's exciting, isn't it? Crazy <laughs> new world, my friend. Crazy uh, new world. Crazy new world. Hopefully a bit better than last time we were able to do that and not signing Josh McGuinness. <laughs> yeah. How dare Very you true. say that on this podcast? We're a family podcast, James. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Probably I mean... Not. <laughs> I mean, I echo what the guys have said. I mean, in terms of, it could be the case that that this uh, this lad's been safe for next season. But at the same time, you would want him to get a bit of game time. Um, maybe, 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 maybe has got his eye on someone different altogether. You know, I'm not sure. It is also possible, um, like Chris said, that he's seen him in training. He's for some reason not keen. Because I mean, that to me is a possibility. If he if he's not even getting in the match day squad, I mean, you would think he'd be on the bench if he was. If there was any chance of him being used, um, yeah, I, I really don't know what the plan for next season is. Only Ian Everett himself and maybe maybe a few people behind him. Maybe they know, but it's a mystery. Yeah, as we say, brave new world. Um, I think it's one of those things where I, I don't really give a, a damn about who's playing in the team as long as the team are winning. But there, there are always some people in the that you want to see do well. And Chris, I know that the person who's sort of come under fire for you in recent uh, weeks has been Nathan Delfonso. And at the start of the season, I thought he was our best player, bar none. Obviously, it was, it was the shiniest turd in a pile of turds, but it was still the, it was still the shiniest one. Um, and I thought he was, I thought he was very, very exciting playing in that front too. And I think since around about late October time, he has fallen off a cliff unceremoniously, hasn't he? It's been very disappointing to see. 
yeah, I, I think the words I use with that exactly. It's been the most disappointing uh, over the course of the whole season. I think his bright spot shone brightly, but then that's really been the exception. Um, over the course of the season, for someone with his pedigree and someone of his background, granted he's not a, a never has been a 10, 15 goal a season striker, but his overall play suggests his ability is, is in far in excess of his peers in the team, but he's shown it on, on far too few occasions, only in little bursts, perhaps here and there. Um, so I would like to see him be more consistent, but then again, there's probably one or two I would uh, I would think the same of. Uh, but I, I think D'Alfonso's still got it in him. I think he's I don't I can't remember if his contract expires this season or if he's got one to the next, next season. One. But yeah, I'm fairly certain he was on a two year deal, wasn't it? Right. Well, I, I was just going to say then in that case, he would be one that I would look to keep of those that is out that would be out of contract only because his his pedigree is such that he has played at a higher level and would be an asset for us. But I, I would like to see him maybe have some sort of some sort of mob consistent contribution in the last few games it could be vital for us yeah James do you think the reason why we've not seen the best of of Delfonso is probably because he's not being played in the position that he wants to play in yeah well well, I think I said on the last podcast I'd prefer to him to be uh, playing a bit further up because he's he's been doing a lot of the legwork all and around that three he's he's swapped positions he's been on the left he's been on the right he's been in the middle he's not been able to have any consistency and he's not been able to properly link up with um, with Doyle because like we've 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 all agreed that um, Delfonso is really that support striker, yet the one who does mm-hmm. the one who does the grunt work and like Chris says doesn't he don't he doesn't get your fifteen twenty goals a season, but he should nick him with about you know eight eight to ten a season, which to some degree he has done, but I don't know at this level at this level I was expecting better of him I don't know maybe maybe he's just still really tired from having a, a child or something and that's effect, and that's <laughs> Kevin his Kevin Nolan syndrome yeah mate yeah. I had mine 10 I had mine 10 years ago I'm still knackered so it's absolutely no work it, it happens <laughs> yeah yeah um but yeah there's a reason why the um or the three behind uh, the the three behind Doyle hasn't really been consistent in the last few games because yeah, yeah, there's none of them have really cemented it other than other than Lion, who just needs a bloody goal. He does, poor lad. Um, would, would there be an argument do you think then, James, for for Delfonso being the uh, substitute for Doyle? Like if, if Doyle in seventy five minutes isn't working, bringing him on instead of Miller. Um, I'm I'm not I'm not sure I'm not sure I'm not sure to be honest. Um. I suppose, I think I think he could play up top on his own, but I, he also doesn't have that same kind of natural finishing instinct that that Doyle does, or or even that Miller does. Mm. I don't I don't know. I I would personally put him on the bench because he is an extremely useful utility player in that sense because he has played across from across the um you know the back three, but. Yeah, it's it's a tricky one. It's a tricky one with Delphons. Like, if I'm honest, I'm not really sure what you do with him. But I, I but it's, still, it's the difficulty. Some his versatility is working against them. It's a bit yeah. like Arthur Ganura, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Maybe maybe he could be that same kind of in, impactful bench player. But really, I don't I don't I don't know what you do with Delphons. So I, I, I suppose at the same time, he's just one of those players that could just. Nicky somehow out of nowhere. I remember a few times he's just been nicking goals out of nowhere. 
I don't know, maybe he's that same kind of player. Yeah, how how do you so solve a problem like Delfonso? Uh, could could be it could be a good article title. Um, another person who's been sort of out in the media, uh, Simon, this week was uh, Lloyd Isgrove, uh, to talk, telling the public, or sorry, but it, it was made public by Ian Ebert that Lloyd Isgrove was asking him why he couldn't get a consistent run in the team. Um, what, I think he was one of our better players on uh, Saturday against Port Vale, and certainly works hard. But the criticism has been that he his output in front of goal it just isn't good enough. What, what what do you make of Lloyd Isgrove and his time at Bolton this season? It's a good question. I mean, I mean, like like we've said, there's been a lot of chopping and changing of the team throughout the season. So I feel like he's one of those players where it has sometimes been hard to get. Um, hard to sort of get a good judgment on as a, as a fan because you know like like he's saying himself he maybe doesn't always get a consistent run um personally i've enjoyed watching him i've always thought when he he, he always looks forward I've, I've thought sometimes his deliveries have been good he he, all, he he sometimes does look to be lacking a little bit of end product maybe that that's maybe something that um you never seen, but on on the whole, I've I've enjoyed. I think he looks very positive. Um, I think he, I mean, he always looks to cross the ball in. I don't, I don't know how to say it other than, anything better other than a nice way. I, I always think I, I always feel confident before he crosses the ball. I'm not sure why. Maybe it's because for it's the different first to Jones, years, isn't it? It's different to yeah, Jones. You, you worry maybe, about Jones when he's crossing the ball. Yeah, I mean, maybe I'm infected because as a few years of a Bolton fan, I had to watch Liam Feeney and, and he couldn't cross on his right. He couldn't cross on his right foot for whatever reason. He always seemed to be on the right wing to cut back with his left, and I could never understand it. So I think any time I see someone going down the right side of the pitch looking to use their right foot to cross the ball, I get a warm feeling. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, I mean, I think maybe Jones has been a better all-round player. Maybe that's why. That's all I can say, maybe. Yeah, it's it's it's, a, it's an odd one, and you can see where it's coming from in, in publicising that to try and give him a kick up the arse, maybe to try and have a bit better mm-hmm. output in front of goal. Um, but he does work extremely hard, and I think there's a lot to be to be said about endeavour. A person who I wish showed as much endeavour on the pitch as they do playing Warzone off it is uh, the enigma that is Marcus Madison. Now I, we could have a podcast <laughs> on its own about Marcus Madison. Um, when he signed, we were all absolutely buzzing. I think it's fair to say, such as the pedigree that he comes with, such as the the the, uh, the goals that he scores, how exciting he can be. Chris, I'm going to give you free reign here. He hasn't quite lived up to his billing, has he? That's very very polite. Yeah, I'm diplomatic, very polite. if nothing else. It. it <laughs> I, I don't. I, I was thinking about this while you were setting it up then, and I, and I changed my mind about what I was going to say. I was going to going to say something about. About him, and I don't know him. None of us do, but it, it just smacks of of modern footballerism to me. In in the, the social media output, the the tattoos, the the haircut, the gear, the, the everything like that. It, it's just so far away from what I want. And then that's not for me, not to say that I, that what I want, you know, needs to be observed or that Madison should behave a certain way. He's free to do what he wants. But I'm grown up on John McGinley on Kevin Davies and. Players like that, you know, meeting meeting two potatoes kind of guys who would turn in their grave if they were in one, looking at that sort of social media stuff like that. I just don't understand it. And I think that there's a lot to be said for if 
he was performing on the pitch. You could give him a free pass, and people would be like, "Oh, Madison, what a card! You know, what a, what a character! He's so so quirky, isn't it brilliant?" But now everyone, I, I see it, and I think, "What a dickhead!" It, you know, it, it, he's obviously been sent, been, been been left out for whatever reason for for sleeping in, if that's true. Uh, I don't know whether it is or not. It sounds perfectly plausible, uh, and he's choosing to to not keep his head down, not focus on what he needs to be doing instead to get his head shaved and get the word magic tattooed poorly on the side of his head. In fact, it looks like it says three magic. It's so badly is that font done on there. I'm only surprised it's not in bloody bubble writing or comic sans. I just don't understand it. Really don't understand it. And I hope that he comes back this week and reads all this stuff online and, and decides to actually get his head down and work hard and be the Madison that we want him to be and that he has been in the past. It wouldn't surprise me if he played at weekend. It wouldn't surprise me at all. I mean, Dapo, I think, looks looks a little tired. wouldn't surprise me one bit to see Madison come back in. And I can only hope that he uses all this frustration as, as motivation. He decides to become three magic, like it says now on the side of his head, and turns into the one that we, Madison that we need because he could be the difference in winning, uh, winning promotion or not. A player is that unpredictable and that tricky at this level he's tried it a few times for me in, in games where he's tried to be too clever and it's not worked i, I think he, he knuckling down would in more ways than one get him in the right positions to do something smart and to show us what he's all about because we've seen uh, bowyer leave um charlton today for example it seems like there's no way on earth that madison would go back to to charlton while bowyer was there given the falling out use that as motivation you know you've got a new manager coming in there for a team that's challenging to get into the championship. You never know. That's where he might end up if he has a good last two months with us. I just, I have my doubts and that's a sad thing. And I was really excited when he signed because the guy's got a top pedigree um, and he came with baggage. But then we, we, I think we even spoke on this, this podcast about that in the past. Not unusual for us to be signing players with baggage and, and we've got a good track record of turning them around. But at the minute, it seems like a long way back to me for this guy. Yeah, I, th- I think there's a couple of points I want to pick up there and I'll, I'll come to you for this, James. Um, the first one is we are notoriously the mender of broken things when it comes to footballers. And we've done it so many times and reaped the rewards of that. You know, when, when Kevin Davis came to us, he was on Scrap Heap. El Hadjouf, another example. Nicholas Anelka, another example. Um, obviously, we're talking about a completely different calibre and talent of player there. You know, Madison is obviously a talented footballer. He's not in, in their league, though. But there is an element of it where... It, it doesn't seem like the right fit for Bolton. And yet someone like Arthur Ganua, who doesn't necessarily have the talent that Marcus Madison does, has immediately related to the Bolton fans and they've taken him under under their wing. Did you just not think, do you just think it's just the wrong fit and maybe the wrong club for, for him? Someone who, It's hard to nurture a talent like that at a club like Bolton when we are kind of set in our ways? Uh, perhaps, but... It- I'm going to come in a bit of defensive medicine. I'm not going to. I'm not going to argue that he's perform- that he's underperformed. Absolutely not. Uh, you'd ha- you'd have to be completely mental to think he's not underperformed. Um, but but I've 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 said it consistently um, ever ever since he underwhelmed in his first game. As soon as that lad gets a goal, he'll be on fire. I'm convinced. That's all. He, that's all he needs. He just as soon as he gets that. That goal or that major moment where he sets up a goal—it's all just going to click for him. That sometimes it just, so. sometimes it just takes a moment like that to get a player properly settled. I mean, for God's sake, the lad's living in a hotel, away from his kids, and um, 
yeah, he's always been an eccentric personality, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. Everett's slightly eccentric himself. That could either be a recipe for disaster or a recipe for brilliance. And I and at the moment, I'm still going to lead lead towards brilliance because the lad's got time. Uh, not not every player, you know, clicks right away. And like I was saying before, positions behind that back three, that they're, they're still open. They're still open. I mean, his Grove himself wants to needs to increase output if he wants consistent place in the team. Delfonso's underwhelmed. Only really, only really Darpo has state that claim his own. I mean, Gnu has only really been impactful off the bench, and but outside of outside of yesterday, where he where he really bloody surprised me how well he is. Um, Elbazetti's been hopeless. So yeah. No, I, I still I still believe Madison is gonna come around. It may take it may it's probably taking longer than we'd all have hoped, but I but I'd I just want I just want to have faith. It, it it'd be a nice story, like you say. In another person joining the club the mender of broken things and turning his career around. I have to admit, I just want him to do well. I really do want him to do well. When he was signed, I was so excited. I basically thought, well, this is it. We've got that that missing ingredient that's going to get us up the league. And to all intents and purposes, it just hasn't worked out. The positive thing has been that it hasn't really made much of a difference. You know, we've still um, been picking up points and winning games and the turnaround has been superb. Um, Sam, we've spoken about Madison at length on the podcast. Obviously, you've not you've not been on to to, to give your view from mm. just, just a, fan, a fan's perspective outside looking in. What what have you made of the situation? Have have you struggled to to see where this move is going to end up in a positive way? Yeah, I mean, like like you've said, I mean, everybody was excited when he came in. He's got a good record. Everybody knows he's you know he's he's talented. Um, but unfortunately, that doesn't always lead to you know, the performances you want initially. Um, sometimes it never does. Sometimes it takes a month or two. Sometimes it only takes a week. You know, you never know. Um, I mean, I, I wish I knew more about him in terms of the type of character because, you know, you would think some players, you know, it, it might take the team doing poorly to get the best out of him because he might, you know, that might rile him up and think, I'll fix this type of thing, you know, come on and score a few goals. Or maybe you would hope that, when we're, it might be the opposite when we're playing well you might see other players scoring celebrating you you might think you might hope you would sit on the sidelines and look and think well you know I want me some of that um, yeah I, I mean I just hope whatever it is that's not clicking whatever it is that's bothering him or bothering Ian Ever, I'm not sure I just hope it sort of gets sorted for, for his sake and for the fans sake because you know the worst thing that can happen is that People have misgivings about why things are going wrong. What you know, them you know, there might be very like like uh, like we've been saying. If he's staying in a hotel away from his kids, and that you know that that would be a very genuine reason, in my opinion, for something to not be going right. Um, so I, if there is anything going on, I hope it's a legitimate reason. You know, I, I hope it isn't laziness or anything like that. I'm sure it's not, um, but yeah, I, I just hope it works out. I think we all do. I think we want to make this very, very clear to anyone listening to this. We are desperate for Marcus Madison to do well. Oh, this club. Desperate for Marcus Madison to do well because it benefits us as much as it benefits him. Um, unfortunately, just to this point, it hasn't hasn't come to fruition. But no one hopes that it does more, more than us. Um, the only thing I will say, and I'll just finish with this. Um, finish with this, Chris. Do, do you think it's um, it's crucial that he does come good for us to get promoted or not? No. 
No, not at the moment. <clears throat> I think the people around the squad are showing him what, what, how it should be done. And I, I wrote something similar the other week to say that Madison, for all his pedigree and all his flashiness, he's been overshadowed by a lad we've got on loan from West Ham who's never played league football before. Um, and, and that's just pure enthusiasm, work ethic and desire from, from Afalayan. Um, and so I, I want him to do well. I think we'll probably will, there will come a time where he'll... He'll score a cracking goal to win us a game or, or something will happen where he sets a goal up. That's enough for me. Absolutely enough for me. If he comes good just once and it's been worthwhile. It's, it's, like, Sean Miller. Fr- it's like Sean Miller, isn't it? Yeah. He doesn't have to do anything fr- for the rest of this season because he's won a, he's yeah, won a six points. And it's just frustrating that, that someone that you know is, is, is capable of more doesn't show it. But again, you know, at the moment we're not relying upon him and, and that's, the, that's the main thing for me. I, I do have confidence that there'll be that, that one fantastic moment um, but it's not imperative that he plays every single week for me not at the moment anyway we're, we're doing just fine without him uh, in the team yeah I'll tell you what though and I would happily put money on this um, it is Cheltenham week of course so bet- betting is, is the name of the game <laughs> uh, but um, I can guarantee you when those sky cameras come around to Forest Green if he is in that starting lineup, he is going to turn it on isn't he you can just tell that it was typical put himself in the shot window for the sky cameras it would not shock me at all um, James sort of going to bring this to a close relatively soon the thing I want to ask you because I think it's quite a, a key point because as I say we have been talking as if it's almost a foregone conclusion that we're going to be continuing up to, to League One such as been the brilliance of, of the team's form if we kept on this run but due how late we are to the party, we only ended up in the playoffs, for example. W- would you be happy with that? Uh, I mean, I mean, considering where we were back at the start of February, I'd I'd be absolutely buzzing with that. Playoffs was the playoffs was the aim at that point. The fact that the fact that automatic is even somewhat of a realistic possibility is absolutely astounding to how awful this league is. But. Yeah, no, I'll take I'll take playoffs. I mean, imagine they, um, you know, imagine the story that'll be. Uh, we meet Trampmere in the playoff finals. We we finally get one over on Keyfield after he's beat us twice this season to go up. Ah, oh, that would be the Cinderella story, especially with fans in the ground as well. Oh yeah, I I don't care how much it cost me. I'd find my way down to Wembley, and. <laughs> yeah. I'd drive you, mate. <laughs> the only issue is your your family's record at Wembley, Tom. You can't go. No, that is a good point. I, I, I should stay as far away from Wembley as humanly possible. <laughs> My word. I've, I've, uh, I've got a one and all at Wembley as well, so... <laughs> Yeah, no, I've um, well, my, my granddad was an old rugby league manager and took um, Wigan and uh, Warrington Wolves to Wembley three times, I think, between the two clubs and lost every single time. Um, my dad was at the Aston Villa game where Holdsworth missed, which was, I know it was at the Millennium, but he, was it? I think it was at the Millennium, wasn't it? But even yeah, so, the, the sentiment's the same. Um, he was at he was at the game when we lost to Middlesbrough and uh, similarly uh, Stoke. So it's not ideal. Going to those big games at those big stadia, it, it does not really work, work well for my family. Can I chip in on that one? Let me have a think. So I did Chirpa Van Trophy, who won that yep. one. Did Reading playoff final, won that one. Didn't go to the Liverpool League Cup final, so that doesn't count. <laughs> Went to the Aston Villa one at Wembley, lost on penalties, doesn't count. Went to... What else have we done? They went to Millennium Stadium. Yeah, all right, then we lost that one, but we were cheated. That doesn't count. 
So <laughs> when, we, when we played Preston at Millennium Stadium, we won. So technically, what's that? That's six or seven major games, and we won every single one that matters. So happy days. <laughs> wow. Well, listen, the, 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 point, the point being that all the ones that my dad's been to, or I've been to, we've lost. And then he didn't go to Reading, didn't go to the Preston one. And we managed to go. win those two. So, it won't uh, matter. It won't matter. My, my £5 on us at 14 to 1 to get top three about three months ago is coming to fruition, lad. Fair Come enough. Coming to fruition. All that matters. Let, 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 yeah, let's bloody hope so. Um, Simon, James says that he, he wouldn't be too upset about us getting into the playoffs. Um, rather than whether or not you'd be happy for it. Do you think it would damage the players' confidence, given that at the moment it looks like they're on track to try and get automatic if they sank into the playoffs instead? It's a good point. I mean, yeah, I see what you mean. We're in the, we're in the playoffs at the minute, but I suppose the trajectory, yeah, so it might, but they seem pretty robust to me at the minute. Um, I, like, like we've said, considering Confident. where they were, yeah, considering where they were a few weeks ago, um, I think... You know, in in the perspective of how the season has gone up until you know January, and then suddenly taken off, I think even playoffs would be pretty miraculous by those standards. So yeah, I think they might be a bit disappointed initially if they only finish playoffs. But you know, given the added perspective of the season, um, and obviously, if if you're one of these players that's only coming in January, all potentially all they've really known is winning, and cert- well, certainly not losing. So I, I think I'd still feel pretty good about it actually. Yeah, I think I think it's um, I think it's just one of those, isn't it? We, we can't believe that we're in this position. I mean, Chris, the final the final word I'll come to you before we do score predictions and team for 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 Walsall is just: does it shock you that we are in this position, considering where we were two months ago? It's a funny one, isn't it? And I, and I was thinking about this earlier on. Um, if I say some September October time, I'd say yeah, hundred percent, massive shock because we are a crap. And the manager was crap and he should have been sacked no matter what you said. It was right at the time. But fair play, they, they stuck by him and it, and, it, and we carried on. So absolutely no problem. From January onwards, we've signed some cracking players with experience of divisions higher than us. And it's all gelling. So at the moment, no. But it, you know, looking back at the, it, after the first three months of the season, I didn't think we'd get top half, never mind promotion. Um, it's, it's, the guys have been fantastic the way they've all pulled together and, and shown that spirit to, to succeed and to get better. Uh, it, it's been brilliant. Um, absolutely no problem. I'm happy. It doesn't happen very often, but I'm happy. <laughs> it's something that, that Sam said at the start of the game, you know, it, it, it's football is, is to look forward to a game is, is brilliant. I even found myself on Saturday getting up early because I knew I had stuff to do because I wanted to make sure that I wasn't busy when it came to three o'clock because I wanted to watch mm-hmm. the match. And the, over the last few years, when it's away games, for example, I'm not really bothered with away games too much. Uh, I, I would go and do stuff. I, I'd, I'd be out with family or I'd be out in the garden or cleaning the house or anything really to get away from following an away game because generally speaking, we'd, we'd lose or we'd draw and it would be disappointing. Every Saturday, every Tuesday, I'm making sure that I'm, I'm free. I'm not doing anything. No one disturbs me. The kids can go and do whatever they want. Missus can go and do whatever they want. Got beers in the fridge, got tea sorted already, so I have to get up and I sit there and, I, and I've got my full attention on the match because that's how much I've enjoyed the last three months. And it's so refreshing given the absolute shit that came in the five and six years before that. It's brilliant. Yeah, it's long may it continue, eh? Long may it continue. Um, James, I know that you're an advocate of never changing a winning side, but we do have to this weekend, given that Anthony Sarsovich looks like he's going to be out for uh, a few more weeks with the recurrence of his hamstring injury. So uh, who would you bring in to replace him? I presume you only want to make that one change. Uh, yeah, yeah. 
Um, I'd be I'd be a hypocrite if I said it otherwise. Now, um, indeed. <laughs> yeah. Amount of values. That's why we have you on this podcast. Oh, is it? Oh, is it? Integrity. Integrity and tech skills. I thought it was just cause, yeah. I was about to say I thought it was only because I could actually record the podcast, but. <laughs> well, I mean, subliminal messaging, of course. I have to have another reason on the on the surface of it. Ah, don't you don't I? have to stroke my ego, Tom. Don't you worry. <laughs> I'm stroking any part of you, Jen. <laughs> but yeah, but uh, back on topic. Well, yeah, back on topic. See, say you don't get this on where there's a will, there's a burning way, do you? Oh, it's It's beautiful. <laughs> well, because he's usually on his own. But anyway, um... <laughs> it's, been, it's been a long old lockdown, Chris. It's been a long old lockdown. <laughs> uh, but. Yeah. Um, back to back to the actual point at hand. Um, yeah, for, to play Santosnasevich, I'd probably move Delfonso back into the middle. I just feel that's his best position, and hopefully at some points he can start playing a bit further up because we'll have most of the ball and link alongside Dial just so we have more options in the box when we inevitably waste our crosses. Um, um, what, what, yeah, go on. Yeah. What's your score prediction for the game as well? <sighs> I mean, Warsaw are crap, aren't they? Everyone's crap in this league, yeah, including but, us to a yeah, certain Warsaw, extent. Yeah, but Warsaw are also are just very crap. They're not they're not South End crap, but they're still very crap. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I guess I'll. I, I just want us to blow a team a, a, apart at some point. So I'll, I'll be bold. I'll just say we'll win four 0 Fair enough, Simon. Team selection for you. Well. I agree. I, I mean, pretty much, you don't try not to change too much. If, if Sasevich is out, um, move Delfonso into the middle. I, I wouldn't mind Isgrove playing out wide. Like I've said, I'm, I, I enjoy watching him play personally, and it might, um, you know, given what's been said, it might give him a good chance to go and show, you know, improve himself. Um, and then, you know, we've still got Ganua on the bench and Miller on the bench, who've been both good as impact players, I, I think so. I'd be happy with that. Indeed. Um, and your score prediction for the match? Um, <laughs> I'm maybe not quite as bold as James, although although I share exactly what he said. I'm looking back through the results, and I'm I'm, I'm also desperate for us to to blow a team away because it doesn't seem to happen. We seem to have a a cap on what we'll do, but I, I think it'll be a, a two nil. Fair enough. Yeah, and same I, question to you, Chris. Sorry, sorry Chris. Before I go into, I forgot yeah. to mention. No, go ahead. Yeah, no, I just forgot to mention because. Um, Instead of Isgrove, I would actually uh, play Madison on the right. Bold. Yep. yep Stole my thunder a little bit, James, but I'll allow it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Chris, who would you play instead of Anthony <laughs> Well, fancy, fancy, fancy you say that. Uh, I agree. I, I think Madison, for all the reasons we mentioned earlier on, uh, will, will come in. It wouldn't surprise me one bit. Um, in terms of the, the, the team, I, I'm desperate for us not to play a second holding midfielder in home games. I really don't like it. I think we should be on the front foot, especially in the position we're in. And then, it, more importantly, if we can get a lead, you know, two, three, and nil with with half an hour to go, then you can take Doyle off. You can take, uh, you know, even take Baptiste off if you wanted to, and just give these vital players a little bit more of a rest. Uh, I do think we'll win. I think we'll win easy. I'm, I'm going to go three nil. Yeah, I'm going to go with something similar. I think three nil is a fair scoreline because, my God. Would it be nice for us to have a comfortable victory rather than be biting my nails off every single sodding match? It has match? to happen eventually, <laughs> doesn't it? Surely. It does. It does. I really it hope really so. I know. Um, anyway, yeah. Let, let's hope for a big win and let's hope that we continue this fantastic form because, my word, is it been 
a breath of fresh air to be talking positively about Bolton Wanderers. Um, thank you very much for your time this evening, gents. It's been very, very kind of you. Um, and thank you very much to everyone for listening to this 160th episode of the Line of the Industry podcast. And uh, we will see you later. Thanks again. <laughs>